do you still get excited for a new album? I mean, not discovering and listening to something new, but like anticipating a new album that's going to be released. There was a time when I was a teenager when my whole calendar revolved around album releases. I would know the dates from ads in music magazines or from my weekly trips to the record store where sometimes they would handwrite a sign detailing all the new releases, and sometimes the wait seemed unbearable. I remember the first time I heard Gorillaz. I was a massive Blur fan. Their album, The Great Escape, was one of my most played CDs of the 90s. So when I heard that Blur singer Damon Albarn had a cartoon side project, I was intrigued. And by 2001, I was super into hip-hop. So when their single, Clint Eastwood, dropped, it was the coolest thing I had ever heard. Damon from Blur singing the chorus, Del the Funky Homo Sapien rapping the verses. I had to have that single. So I immediately went to a music store. I remember it was the Virgin Megastore at this mall called The Block in Orange, and I went looking for that single. And they only had an import version available. I don't remember if the U.S. single wasn't out yet or if it was sold out or they just didn't have it, but for whatever reason, they only had a U.K. import, and it was expensive. It was like 20 bucks for this one song and whatever B-sides there were. But I was like, nope, I'm buying this. And then I went to the register and they literally tried to talk me out of buying it. They were like, you know, the entire album comes out in like three weeks. You could just wait for the album. But no, no Virgin Megastore. I couldn't. I couldn't wait for the album. Memories like that are really special for me. I loved the feeling of buying an album as soon as it came out. And for a while, I kind of lost that feeling when it came to music. I think streaming came along, I got older, and I changed a little. Music kind of got downgraded to important part of my life instead of the absolute very essence of it. But recently, I found myself looking forward to albums again. In this new position I have found myself in as music content creator, podcast host, etc., uh, release dates are back on my radar again. I'm seeing people promoting their music on TikTok and Instagram, and I feel like a lot of bands, like the smart ones, are doing a really good job of building hype for these releases. They're offering incentives for pre-ordering or pre-saving the album on Spotify. You can get like cool colored vinyls or early access to music videos. It's a lot of fun, and I find myself with a lot of anticipated records throughout the end of this year. And so, on today's episode, I wanted to talk to one of those bands. Instead of three stories today, or even three interviews like I did last season, I wanted to go a little deeper with one band. This is a band that has a great story to tell, but they are also just a couple weeks away from releasing their debut album. And how often am I going to get to talk to a band about to release their first record? So, I think it's a really cool conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Patrick Hicks, and this is Good Measure. What keeps us together across town, across space? The fragile moments that could as well be lost, but we hold on. Austin Dury spent most of his 20s in a band called Coyote Kid. They were originally called Mara in the Mainsail, but changed their name, and they were a dark, heavy band that described themselves as cinematic indie rock. Coyote Kid toured, they put out records, they had D&D campaigns that accompanied their records, and they had a small but dedicated fan base. 
And then one year, they were about to go on their biggest tour yet, a tour booked by Austin himself. Unfortunately, that year was 2020. And when the COVID-19 pandemic happened, the tour was canceled. And not only that, Austin found himself having to move with his wife back into his parents' house in his native Minnesota. And there, stuck at home, feeling down about the state of his life and music career, he started writing some new songs. And they were a lot different than the gothic rock of Coyote Kid. But he thought they were good. And he wanted to show them to someone, someone who could give him an unbiased opinion. So he showed them to his little sister, Taryn, to get feedback. Taryn is a lot younger than him, and he jokingly called this Gen Z quality control. But Taryn thought the new stuff Austin was writing was pretty cool. And so Austin asked her, do you want to start a band with me? She said yes, and they called their band Dury. Austin and Taryn were writing songs and recording together for less than a year, when one of their songs went viral on TikTok. Austin posted himself playing the first verse and chorus of a song he was working on called Who's Laughing Now. Uh, hey, this is a new song I just started writing. What do you think? My mama always said I would regret it If I ever got a tattoo She said I'd never get a job like I That video got a couple hundred thousand views. So he ran out the next day and recorded the song, which now had a more upbeat final verse based on the success of the TikTok video. A new video with the recorded version of the song got well over half a million views. And unlike some viral TikTok sensations, the success of their videos actually translated to streams of their song. That first recorded version of Who's Laughing Now has 4.5 million streams on Spotify. And now two years later, after turning down offers from numerous major labels and touring all over the country, Dury are getting ready to release their first full-length album called Suburban Legend on September 8th. So I sat down with Austin and Taryn to talk about how they're feeling on the eve of their big debut. All right, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, the reason I was really excited to talk to you is because you have a new album coming out. I'm really excited about it, and I've never talked to a band that was a couple weeks away from releasing an album before. So I just want to know like what that's like, what you guys are feeling. And then I want to talk about other stuff too, but just to start off, like how are you feeling with Suburban Legend coming out soon? Yeah, it's like, uh, it feels like we've been working on this record forever. Like we've, I mean, we've had the songs done for, you know, months and, 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 you know, we've just really been taking our time and making our content out super far ahead of time. And, and, you know, doing all these videos and stuff has been a huge uh, undertaking to try and have that much, that much visuals with it and stuff. So, yeah, it's been a long 
road to get here, but we're so happy to be finally pulling it out. I think it's, I think we made something really cool. <laughs> like, like we, uh, uh, it was hard to pick singles cause it's like every song could be a single. There so are too many good ones. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very, very good problem to have. Um, and we still put out, you know, four singles before the record drops and that's like, that's a lot, but, um, but yeah, we're feeling, we're feeling great. I can't wait for these songs to be out. We're like halfway done with the next record too. So we're, uh, <laughs> we're ready to get the train rolling here. <laughs> yeah. That's I've talked to people before who like, they finished the second album and they're like, now I just started on the third album already. So yeah, there's so much like time, like music just takes so long to make the time between like having an idea and it really being released is like crazy. Like our song coming of age, We've been playing it live with a completed recording for over a year before it came out, which is like, it's just like, we're just not time for it to come out yet. We just got to wait. <laughs> yeah, all these songs have been very well. We've taken our time with them. They're very well prepared and, and, and it's really done. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's, there's been so many things we've wanted to put out way earlier initially, but we've just been tweaking everything along the way constantly. And so now we have hopefully a great product and I'm really excited about it. So there's a, there's a, one, the title track of this record is one called suburban legend. And, um, and I, when I wrote it, I was like, this is such a cool song. I love the song so much. I'm like, we should just like drop it right now. Let's just do it. And I ended up like completely rewriting the whole chorus to sound 100% different. I, I, re- I like took out a whole chunk in the middle. I did so much to it after I thought it was done, but I just needed more time to sit on it and, and, you know, discover more about what the song should be. Um, but yeah, I feel like we've taken our time and it's going to have the best result possible. <laughs> I mean, you guys have released a lot of songs, a lot of singles. Was it important for you to do an album? Like, do you think that still matters in 2023? Like, I want a collection of our songs. I think I think for us, it was time to do an album. And like a lot of these songs, too, are ones that we we made totally DIY or like with, you know, our friend helping us or whatever, but with no no budget and no, you know, we didn't know what we were doing and stuff like that, um, that we've now like perfected and we've and we've and we've invested a lot in the mixes and and mastering and all that kind of stuff to sound really really you know like we can compete with radio and we can you know really get out there um so there's like new versions of of songs like losers club and hasta la vista baby and trauma queen that all have these new like like polished really high energy versions um that are on this album that that i think really needed that so uh, the album is kind of an excuse for us to go back over those and and do them right which is which is a rare thing <laughs> to get to do but uh but yeah i think for us it was it was time to do a, a proper record <laughs> um so i want to go back kind of to the beginning taryn i know you're not on social media a lot i don't know if you know who i am but i'm on tiktok mostly <laughs> i just introduced her on tiktok and this is who i'm talking to <laughs> um so i do like music stories like artist stories and like one thing I love to focus on is like origin stories. I'm just fascinated by like how bands come together. You guys have a really cool story. I know you've told it like a million times, but it's just super fascinating. I think about how you guys started and then building up to kind of how you, how you blew up with who's laughing now, but can you just kind of start at you're playing in coyote kid COVID happens. 
you have to move back to your parents' house and then you start doing these songs. Yeah. Um, you know, these songs kind of started with just like I had been working in, working with Coyote Kid for so long and it was like a very like high concept. Like we were like a, you know, there was like lore for that band. We had like a D&D campaign based on the story of our songs. It was like this really deep, nerdy thing. And I was so deep in that for so long that um, that's all I had ever like written. That's all I had ever done. And so with COVID, it was like, well, everything's on hold. I'm just going to like try and write like honest, normal stuff about like really how I'm feeling and all these things. And um, and that's where Losers Club came from. Losers Club was one of the first ones that I wrote in that season. And it was kind of uh, it was kind of about like picking yourself up and and not accepting defeat, but also kind of accepting defeat. That's kind of like what the point of it is accepting, you know, what what you what you are and what you have. And that's OK. Yeah, the first line of that song is actually directly about um, the tour that was canceled. We were supposed to be doing like a full, full, you know, U.S. tour that I had booked myself like the whole summer um, and the whole thing got canceled. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the first line of Losers Club is, uh, is I said this time last year that we'd be gone, but we're still here. Uh which is exactly Literal. what it was. It was <laughs> yeah. like, I thought we'd be gone, but we're still at home uh, doing nothing. So, <laughs> uh, and 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 yeah, that that song and that, that kind of the honesty behind it, and and the finding like beauty in the mundaneness of life. Uh, that was kind of the seed idea that started the whole thing. And did you know? that this was going to be a totally separate thing or were, were you originally writing this as this was going to be a coyote kid song? No, this was a, yeah, I tried to really start over. Um, I kind of knew this was going to be, and honestly, in the beginning, it was kind of just like, I was, I was just learning how to do some of my own recording stuff. And as I still don't really know what I'm doing, but, but just enough to make demos and stuff like that. And so it was almost like a, like a practicing that kind of stuff and, and, uh, you know, learning how to, produce a song and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it really was just kind of starting from scratch and seeing what comes out, you know? And then when did you get the idea? Like I should ask Taryn what she thinks of these songs. How, how far into it did that happen? Do you know? I mean, it was like, I kind of like, was like, Hey, I have this new sound. I want to like show it to someone. And Taryn was in the house. I was the available. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of like, Hey, is this dorky or is this cool? <laughs> so obviously I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, I like, I have no, we come from a pretty musical family. So like we have a little bit of background um, and I grew up in all of that, but um, I've never cared to do anything with music at all before then and I I feel like I was pretty young also um but yeah so he just kind of looped me in and was like hey is this cool and I'm like yeah it's pretty cool um and then a couple of songs later we're like do you want to be a band and literally over text it was like <laughs> like hey want to do this want to like do this and I'm <laughs> like and I wasn't doing anything else so I'm like yeah why not uh, yeah. <laughs> um and she had never sang before that. Either. Yeah. So she knew some guitar and knew some keys, but had never 
sing in front of anybody. So our first show was as Dury was her first time performing on stage ever. ever. I was on keys at <laughs> wow. the show too. We yeah. did we did one show. I was on keys, and it was like fine, but not not quite it. So yeah. <laughs> so I jumped back to guitar and uh yeah. So yep. Sorry. Yeah. Three three, three <laughs> in head first. <laughs> it's okay. That's the only way to go sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Any plans to now that you've started singing to do lead vocals on some of these songs? Um, we don't totally know yet. We did um write and record one song that I'm leading. We decided to we decided didn't quite make the cut for the album, and that is totally fine. Um, but I think in the future we might play around with that some more. Yeah. Um, but I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm still learning too, and so. Uh, I think for the next album, maybe next album after that. Who knows? Yeah, we're we don't really know. We'll figure we're it out. Totally open to it. We'll see what comes out naturally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, your guys' voices sound great together. That's, I think, one of the cool things about the band. You have like the sibling vocal harmony thing. So yeah, that'd be really cool. So I know you come from a musical family. Your dad is a music teacher. And your mom's an art teacher. What kind of music were they playing in the house growing up? Like, what are some of your early music memories? Uh, we get asked this a lot. It's like, and it's like, our our dad listens to like big band, like, like, like nerdy horn music and stuff like that. It's like, I mean, do you ever remember hearing like a pop song in the house? Like, no. See, no okay, I feel like our family growing up, nobody ever like listened. To music just for fun just casually no that never happened yeah it's not like you have music out it's like if you're going to listen to a record you sit down and listen to a record it's not like it's just out in around you know yeah we uh, distracting <laughs> a dumb little story here we used to watch american idol as a family yeah all the time and the rule was uh you can't talk while we're while they're singing yeah if, because we're listening if they're singing we can't talk <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if I that paints a that. picture yeah yeah well. So what was the first music that you started getting into on your own that was like your own non-big band music that you liked? Okay, so we used to watch the show Malcolm in the Middle, like religiously, right? It was on, at one point, it was on three times a day and we were homeschooled, so we would watch it three times a day. <laughs> but uh, in that show, there was a, I remember like, my first time being like this is a cool song and it was uh it was some 41 was in malcolm in the middle uh featured in a thing and i remember like early my you know uh early on in my in my childhood using their dial-up internet to uh look up some 41 and watch a music video and that was like how that was like how it all started and and um and yeah that led me to you know all the other bands of in that like whole space which is really what i started with and then I like, as I started making music later, I totally, you know, changed course into Coyote Kid, which is like kind of folky, like darker rock stuff. And then now that now past Coyote Kid, I've just reverted right back to that old, the old style that I found when I was like eight or whatever. And uh, and yeah, it's, life is, comes full circle, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. What about I thought you were gonna say they might be giants. Don't they do the theme song for Malcolm? They in the do Middle? the theme song and they're great. <laughs> yes, they are great. But uh, uh we actually do a cover uh, sometimes of the uh of the Malcolm theme song from They Might Be Giants. And uh I just the other day I tweeted at 
Frankie Muniz that if he wants to if he wants to join us on stage on tour, he is welcome to. <laughs> I, I think, think that's an attainable goal. I think he's not doing. <laughs> I hope so. He's doing like Formula One racing. He like has like a race racing company. You just bought a oh, shirt. Really? I bought a shirt with Frankie Muniz racing. <laughs> and Taryn, were you into the Sum Forty One too? You're seven years younger. Is that right? I am seven years younger. Okay. Um, not really. Um, I feel like I didn't actually start listening to music uh, till I was way older. Like, honestly, the pandemic is actually when I started to listen to music. Otherwise, no like, yeah, what? like here and there, whatever. But um, and I mean, the most consistent thing has just been like generally indie rock. But honestly, during the pandemic, I would go on these like deep Spotify dives for super for a super long time and just like save a million songs. And I don't remember any of them, but. But it was a good time. Yeah. You feel like you're catching up on music? Yeah, I do. I, <laughs> that's really what this has been for me. I feel like in our house, there wasn't much like it wasn't so much like we were a musical household, but there wasn't much like fandom of music. It was more like mm-hmm. about making music. It was more about, you know, yeah. if there's music happening in the house, it's probably because someone's playing it, you know, <laughs> so. Interesting. And you were a competitive swimmer? Is that I what was. you were doing instead you of music? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I was. Um, I I mean, I feel like this explains the lack of music listening for me, but that was my main big focus in life for a while. So I guess you can't really listen to headphones in the water. No. I mean, sometimes we'd have some music on, but obviously you can't hear it in the water. So She was the only athlete of the family, the rest of us. Nah. <laughs> Which I'm not that athletic, but that it was working for me at the time. <laughs> As you've been catching up with uh, music, any artists that have become like your favorite? Hmm. I have been. I mean, honestly, I listen to a lot of songs from a lot of different artists, but I feel like recently, like Paramore has definitely grown on me. Yes. Um, <laughs> and. A while ago, I feel like I had inspiration from the band Wallows. Um, mm. Wallows. Yeah. yeah. Me and my me and my wife camped out overnight to get barrier spots at the Paramore show. <laughs> oh, uh, nice. In town like two weeks ago. And it was incredible. It was so good. Paramore rules. <laughs> yeah. No, Paramore is great. That's awesome. Is your wife a big music fan? She is like... There's all these influences in our music that are literally not because I listen to them, but because my wife listens to them and they just get like, they soak into my brain. And uh, yeah, she's a avid, constantly has music playing. Yeah, she's a, a good, healthy, like I absorb so much music through her <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. that uh, is good influences for our stuff. You mentioned the White Stripes. Did you ever think like, oh, I should get my wife to be in this band? Does she have any well, interest in that? Uh, so, so my wife plays bass in the band. Uh, oh. yeah. And, uh, and she actually picked up the bass, uh, in the pandemic just for fun, just to like, see if she could do it. And, uh, and then everything went off with this and it was like, Hey, you should be in our band. <laughs> and, oh, that's uh, awesome. yeah, our, our, our first show was, was her first show too. And, uh, we got some newbies in her. Yeah. <laughs> me, me and, me and our drummer Dane, um, 
he played in my old bands and we've both been doing band stuff forever very like we played a million shows whatever and then taryn and ashley are like brand new fresh little band babies and they step in and then we're like immediately going on tour and doing all these things and I'm, we're always I mean, telling them like you haven't like suffered yet like i know that's how i feel like we're getting a hotel but like you haven't earned it <laughs> i haven't slept outside yet yeah <laughs> that's probably the balance you need that's probably what makes it great all my favorite bass players i feel like started playing bass when they joined their bands like paul simon into the clash nobody like, knew how to play the bass i feel like with bass in particular it's like simplicity is so important and so like if you're a beginner bass you're probably that's probably exactly what the band needs really you know <laughs> that's so cool just going back to your influences a little bit where did coyote kid kind of where so when did you start getting into the music that informed that band like that doesn't sound like some 41 yeah no um uh when i was um when i was 16 i started working at hot topic and that influenced a lot of things and that and that's where i got you know got exposed to a lot more music a lot more genres and stuff like that and and that's where i learned of a band called murder by death they're like one of my favorite all-time bands and that was coyote kid is just a murder by death you know copycat pretty much <laughs> uh but uh uh but i guess it's a little darker and heavier than than them but um uh but yeah murder by death is kind of like the that was a big course change i guess in my in my fandom um but yeah. also you know early on a, a big big part of that too was like uh my chemical romance i really loved you know that was kind of the bridge between the two sounds between like a sum 41 sound and a murder by death sound is like they're heavy you know dramatic and and big big themes and costumes and you know uh, comic books and stuff like that that was like really what i got into with with coyote kid um and there's definitely i think still some some my chem uh uh my chem influences in in dury one of our song titles is actually a homage to uh to my chem our, our song i'm fine parentheses no really is i'm not okay i'm not okay i promise yes. yeah <laughs> nice you have a very like bluesy voice. Like, where did that influence come from? Is that Murdered by Death? I don't know their vocals. Uh, Murdered by Death is like uh, they have these like really smooth, deep, like sort of like old school country vocals, but they're a little like heavier than that. Um, but uh, I, my voice sound is just from like ten years of touring in like a heavy band and screaming a lot and stuff. It's just straight up. Straight up vocal damage. That's my problem. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, that's what it took. Yeah. Everyone thinks I smoke. I don't smoke. You have said before, like, the time before being a musician, Coyote Kid, all that kind of stuff was, like, training for this band. How do you feel like that prepared you for this? I like that question. When did I say that? Oh, oh, the time of Coyote Kid was training for this band. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Sorry. I got, I'm tracking now. Um um yeah you know coyote kid was all about really rugged touring and like just make it to the next show and just keep the dream alive a little longer and it was like this really um kind of brutal like uh i don't know circuit i guess of of touring and performing and, and all this stuff and playing to nobody and all those kind of things and and it feels like it was kind of the like i don't think 
and also doing all of our own videos and stuff too, and all that background from the, just the necessity of not having any money for anything, you know, sleeping in the van and, and, you know, and, and doing your own videos, trying to make them look, you know, as professional as you can with, with no budget at all, all that stuff lent itself so well to this really, really unified vision that Dury has now of like, you know, we are completely in control of every part of it. We do, I mean, we do our own videos, we do our own merch design. We do, you know, every part of it is, is done ourselves or, you know, with another artist and we're kind of closely um, guiding them, but, but yeah, all of, all those skills are things that I learned from, necessity with coyote kid because we didn't have any money uh and uh and now we do it by choice because <laughs> i mean we don't really have any money still but you know whatever we're slowly upgrading all of our gear one thing at a time one though. thing at a time we're working it's getting more professional <laughs> uh okay let's talk about tiktok i saw an interview where you were basically like if all the kids are doing it i want to get into it i don't want to like resist new technology which i love that was the same for me. That's why I'm on TikTok. There was like this Chuck Klosterman quote a long time ago, the author that always stuck with me where he's like, everybody gets to this, the one technology where they're like, no, I'm not adopting that. I'm sticking here. And then you have people that are like, I'm still using a BlackBerry. I didn't never want to be that person. Like whatever the next thing is, I want to be on it. So I love that, that you started doing it. Like, tell me a little bit about like what you were first doing when you started, what before you know who's laughing now like what were you doing on there and what was what was happening with tiktok yeah i uh i feel like uh, all the with every you know new wave of social media or whatever there's always the like i'm i'm not going to you know facebook i'm sticking with myspace like or whatever and it's like i just see, seen too many times when people do that and then like a month later, then they're like, Oh, you were late to the party. Cause you just were stubborn to begin with. So, so, you know, when threads came out day one, I was on it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, whatever, whatever's next I'm there. <laughs> um, and, uh, that's kind of how TikTok was too. Um, um, but yeah, before, I mean, honestly, TikTok was kind of like throwaway posts, like, I mean, in the beginning, I, I didn't post that much. I It was just like every time I was like, eh, this is kind of cool, whatever, I'll put it out. The first couple of TikTok things I did actually were like really stupid. Like uh, when I was learning, just figuring out like producing stuff, I would like make these stupid, like almost like jingles. Uh, the first TikTok we ever posted is a song I wrote about my cat called Big Baby Boy. And it's just like this like techno thing and i put just put like a video of that like dancing baby like animation big baby boy big baby boy boy big baby boy big baby boy that's our first tiktok on our page it's still there one of the early ones was uh this there's a song in nacho libre and i made like an instrumental behind it when he sings incarnacion and i made like a music video for it and all this kind of stuff just for fun just see what happens and i remember one of them that Nacho Libre one got 500 views. And I was like, this is huge. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, and that like, and that little bit of a win, like, I'm going to do more. And, you know, and then. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? That's what, I don't know. So how long had you been on TikTok before you, per you posted the verse of Who's Laughing Now? Maybe like a year. 
probably less than a year yeah i mean we had we hadn't even been a band for a year at that point it's true um yeah maybe like six months but it was like i posting once a you know two weeks like it was not i wasn't really chasing it and also i'm when who's laughing now went off it was not like i was it was really sincerely a throwaway like whatever here's the song i started <laughs> today and haven't finished writing it yet did you know when you wrote it like did you have any feeling like oh this is a great song i liked like, did it the, feel special yeah it did feel like oh that's a good one but i feel like that about a lot of our songs and and usually a week later i'll be like ah i was not that's not very good <laughs> um but uh but yeah it felt good uh i was just yeah just starting it i hadn't shown taryn the the song yet it was just like this is cool i could see this working out you know so put it up did you put you posted on tiktok before taryn saw it yeah yeah so he like i literally got a text like the next morning or same night or i don't know what it was exactly but very quickly i didn't even know he posted it and it was like hey we're recording this song tomorrow we have to do it be there (laughs) so i was not expecting that yeah yeah, that was a that was a miracle. We were able to get it out as quick as we could. Seriously, we like uploaded it the next night after it went off. So like, I wrote the verse and a chorus, posted it. We recorded it the next morning, mixed it that day, posted it that night to Spotify, and that's the version that's on there. <laughs> the thing I think is so fascinating about this song, I don't think there's any other song I've ever researched in music history that was written about itself and like written about its own success. I think that's cool. I think it's like the coolest, most meta thing. Um, But just tell that story a little bit. So you would only had a verse or you had, you'd only posted the verse in the chorus. You had a third verse, but when you went in to record it, you were like, I have to rewrite this third verse because of how much this song was blowing up on TikTok. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had, uh, you know, the first verse is like kind of funny but kind of a downer it's kind of like you know the the whole like the irony of the song is supposed to be like who's laughing now because like it's like it's almost like you said things would work out but they didn't so who's laughing now haha it didn't work out like that's like the it's like an ironic turn of turn of phrase um and then the third verse um originally i got really like heavy and dark with it it was like very downer uh uh, uh uh yeah and then and then on the drive was kind of when i was like this is not a downer song like that's not like the vibe and and everyone's so excited about it i don't want i don't want them to reveal the rest of the song and it's just like be sad now that's the point like no that's that's not not what i want so um and yeah it was just kind of a uh i wrote the third verse on the drive from our house to the studio and um and it came together just really fast and naturally and and um and it was just about our real like feelings of what was happening in that moment of you know striving you know we've uh, we've been working so hard for so long i've been doing this for years and and not really seeing any fruit from it but just you know believing that it was going to work out and then to finally have this first like glimmer of of hope glimmer of success uh it was it was it was a big big moment and so uh yeah, I'm glad glad we captured that. <laughs> and so the first video is just you being like, here's a new song I wrote. And then there's another video where it's the yellow background, the like lyric video. And that one blew up even more, right? 
That one was yeah. that's the yeah, first that one I one, ever saw. Yeah, that one went went really big. Um and that was like we posted that the weekend, like maybe three or four days later. Um we so before before Who's Laughing Now came out, we um we did a Kickstarter for just like a couple grand so we could make a couple songs. And um and for that we that's when we decided on this like yellow theme. We uh we took some cues um from like the white stripes and their like super color palette, you know, focus. And uh but we wanted something that I had never seen before and and you know, nobody uses yellow that much, honestly. So we like yellow. Yeah. Yellow was free. <laughs> yeah, uh, yellow's a, a tough merch item to sell, but we're figuring it out. Um <laughs> I do feel like too, like a lot of people ask us, what's the meaning behind the yellow? And it's like nothing. It, I mean, <laughs> we just picked a color. Yeah. I thought just, it would be good. It just felt like the vibe, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's we so we had the backdrop because we did these photos for the Kickstarter with that yellow backdrop. Um, and that's uh and so we just had it in the house already, and that's why we used it for the video. Um and yeah, we just set it up in the garage with a couple of lights. There, the lights are like office tube lights taped onto mic stands, like just behind my phone that's recording it. You do what you got to do. And uh, and yeah, we just performed the song. I edited it, um, and um, yeah, we posted it like the night that I finished editing it, and it was just like there it is. <laughs> I mean, that's what you got to do. TikTok, the attention span is short, so I think it's smart to work fast very yes and so after the song comes out blows up record labels start reaching out to you right correct yeah so what what's that like you don't have to give any details you're not comfortable with but just like what was that like um it was definitely crazy and it was kind of like at some point you don't know who like who to trust and who's legit and like everyone is coming after you so it's like um but yeah we had a meeting with literally every major label in that, in those first couple of days. And there was one guy who we were talking to, to like maybe be a potential manager. We, we ended up going with somebody else, but, um, but, and he just said, he, he said, if anyone wants a meeting, don't say no to anybody. Just, just talk to every single person. And so those first couple of weeks were like, Taryn, we have four more zoom calls today. Come on down. We got to. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> both like, with pretty ADHD so like yeah. the the streaks of long meetings talking about nothing they were all just vibe checks uh yeah but it was tough <laughs> yeah but yeah we, we talked to yeah talked to everybody um and and we kind of met our whole our whole crew that we have now our 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 team uh was all made through connections and friends of friends of people reaching out to us in those first those first couple of days. So somehow we ended up with the right group of people too. Yeah. I don't know how it was a lot to sort through, but yeah, we ended up with like the dream deal of like, <laughs> it's not a record label, but it's like a distribution company. So they still give you some money to work with, but it's not like super locked in forever. And, and it's, and we have a great manager and a great whole team uh, booking agent. And, and yeah, it all just kind of, fell into place with with without too many strings attached and that's that's the best scenario i can imagine that's awesome yeah so everything came from just this one video like management all that stuff correct yeah that was like that was like how the whole thing started but but it also drew attention to other songs that we had already put out so it was like 
that's the thing that got everyone to look at us. But then we had more going on already and we already had this cohesive image and showing that we can do things DIY and, and all those other things uh, kind of contributed to that, like, like showing that we can do this long term. It's not like a flash in the pan thing. We can be a, be a real band, you know? For sure. What, so what's the distribution company that you signed with? Uh, it's called 30 Tigers. Okay. Uh, I know their big, uh, their big one is, uh, I think Jason Isabel is on that, but, uh, but they do distribution for a ton of bands. Uh, they're really awesome. And um, yeah, they've been super supportive of us. It's been great. Yeah. Did you consider like signing with a major label? We definitely did. Um, you know, uh, some of those contracts are a little scary, you know, when you really get them and, and, um, and, um, and yeah, we definitely had, had all those meetings. We definitely considered it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but none of them, none of them felt right or, or felt like, you know, I think what, what works so good about this project is us really, really being in the driver's seat and like, and like being able to come up with crazy ideas and execute it and do it and, you know, it's working. No bureaucracy attached. It's just we're we're just doing it, uh, and uh, and I think that's what what has worked for us and what's going to continue working. For sure. Was there anything specific that anybody like suggested where you were like, "Oh my god," where they like, "You got to work with this songwriter," or we you got to shave your mullet? Like, no, <laughs> nothing crazy. Uh, everyone everyone was was really nice and 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 you know had. Uh, obviously great things to offer and all those kinds of things, but there's always like, I mean, just the way that record labels work is, is very uh, like you're stuck in it. If you, you know, it's, it's, that's usually just how it is. You're you, once you're, once you're in, you're in and we, everything was so volatile at that time, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to do that. And, and, you know, when they're, when they're coming in, when a record label is coming in, it's kind of this like, game of chicken a little bit of like they're hoping their goal is that you're going to be more successful than the money they put into you and then you as the artist is you're trying to get get the most money so that you can be the most successful as you can and uh and yeah we were still small we were still you know just figuring it out so it's like we, we would rather you know wait put out the best record we can uh and then come back to the table with some with some experience and some leverage and some, you know, uh, real, uh, you know, some hits, hits under our belt, you know, that's, that's what we're going for. So. All right. So the door's still open, like after this record, you could possibly still sign with a big label. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, we're, we're totally open to that. We're, we're still, uh, you know, open for business, but, uh, yeah, it was like in those early stages, it's very easy to, get swept up and stuck in something you don't want to be. So let's talk about, about the record. How did you decide on like what songs to go on it? You know, the, the themes you wanted to, to capture. I feel like we took a lot of time to decide what was going to be on the album. What was, what didn't make the cut and just a lot of back and forth, like brainstorming and it constantly changing and like making new plans and whatever. Well, yeah, I was, when we started, like when we went to the studio to start recording, I had, uh, you know, I had 17 songs ready to go. And then we recorded, you know, some of them. And then 
I wrote like five new songs and then so and they were better. And yeah, so <laughs> so we slotted those ones in instead. And then so it was a very like we had a lot of options for the whole mm-hmm. record. Um and we picked the best of the best and and tried to really make it like um trying to, you know, no skips. That's the goal is is every song is a single contender. That's what we want. And and uh and I think we got close to that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but the the, the early those early days of the pandemic, my wife and I were going for walks every day in, you know, my parents' neighborhood. And uh, and it's a very suburban, like, very suburban neighborhood. You know what I mean? Very, like, identical houses, you know, perfect lawns, like that kind of situation. And that was kind of the, you know, the inspiration for, uh, it started with literally, like, the wordplay of suburban legend, like, urban legend. But then that kind of grew into having the meaning of, like, you know the 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 suburban legend is the person who who escapes that you know cultural desert of capitalism and all that kind of stuff making something that they love and making art and and all those kinds of things that's like that's the that's the legend that we're trying to trying to be you know (laughs) this is not a real question but it's one up have you ever heard of the ska band suburban legends i have recently been informed of them yeah, I, I remember when I, I Googled Suburban Legend, you know, in the beginning of all this, and it was like, okay, there's a band, but like, that's fine. You know, this is an album title, so we can use it. The only reason I know is because I'm from Anaheim, California, originally, and they used to play at Disneyland, like, every weekend. Like, they played nice. at Disneyland constantly. And yeah, that, that was kind of the the theme, and then we, we pick up on those themes in the record uh, in a couple different ways of some things talking about, like, uh, you know the nine to five grind. We go. We talk about that a lot, and just and just the in work culture and corporate culture and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, but then there's also songs that hit back on like growing up in the suburbs. And like, uh, there's a song called Mall Rat, and it's about my time at Hot Topic. Uh, you know, sixteen year old emo kid at Hot Topic, and that's what the song's all about. And 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 so yeah, there's kind of two two sides of the album of like the coming of age story and then like the second coming of age which is like you know when you kind of come out the other side of adulthood and see all the flaws in it and everything and and kind of get you know enlightened to those things and i think the themes are very just parallel and go into each other and yeah at one point we were talking about having like side a and side b one being like the adult side and one being like the teenager oh. side but it didn't flow well so we didn't do that but but we could have <laughs> yeah that would have been cool i like that you still think of uh, albums in terms of sides because i do too i don't know if other people do i'm a vinyl fan yeah I've, uh my old band has three three records out on vinyl i've been doing that i'm a fan <laughs> why did a uh, bubble of my gum not make the cut uh so okay bubble of my gum it's a mood changer it is a mood changer no um i could see it not fitting uh, those themes but i like that song a lot yeah uh yeah we love that song too um that one was weird because we were done with the record when i wrote that song so (laughs) so we were done with the record waiting on mixes and stuff and then that song just like popped out one day and so and so we posted it was almost the same story as who's laughing now honestly like we posted the demo and it went really well and we're like let's do this and so we went back to the studio even though we just finished the record we're like okay we got one more and then yeah and then we like 
put it out as soon as we could. At, at, I think it was like a week or something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just like its own little moment. We tried to hit uh, Valentine's Day with it. That was the other thing. Was like this hmm. would be a nice one for Valentine's Day, and doesn't really fit on the record. And you know, and it's its own thing, and that can it's just can be its own thing, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's good you didn't sign with a record label. They would have been like, no, you got to save that for album two. And you just that's put it out. Right. Love it. You're the light to my pippin. You're the caller to my coke. You're the last second red show on the old rainbow road. You're the last song on the radio. We were singing so loud, bouncing all around my head. And spilling out my mouth of gold. Yeah. We, we actually this last week had a great moment at uh, at our show in Cincinnati. Before we played that song, we said like some people like use this in their wedding. And then wow. these two people front and center go, we use it in our <laughs> wedding. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> uh, so that was really cool. Um, was, that, was that written for your wife? It was. Yes. And that one. Yeah, that one. It's we have we've been doing this thing live. Uh, there's a. There's a secret uh, third verse of the song that's not in the recording that we've been playing live. Um, and uh, the point of that was that, like, I wrote this mushy, lovey-dovey song about my wife. Um, but I realized that that so many love songs are just about just about your partner. There aren't enough love songs that you could, like, sing to your dog or or your <laughs> child or your friends. You know what I mean? Um, and so we kind of wanted that to, to be like that. So we cut the third verse because it's especially uh especially romantically uh you know uh involved. So um so we wanted it to be a, a lighter hearted song. But yeah, maybe someday, maybe on next record we can put on like the full version of the song. There's another Slide like there. there's another like 45 no. second song. Uh that's that's my wife's favorite thing is if it's a song that could be a love song but also could make her think of our kids she'll mm. cry guaranteed cry every time so that's, great. that's exactly what we wanted that song to be <laughs> so with the record coming out do you think about like reviews sales like what kind of things are you thinking about for that so i you know being that I've always been broke my entire life and my other and my I we were scraping on pennies with my other band. Like it was like like literally, you know, we have no place to stay tonight. We can't afford a hotel like we're sleeping on the street. <laughs> uh, uh, because of that, uh, I am watching the sales. I, <laughs> uh, I you know, when we uh, we're, we're trying to make this something successful and and sustainable and something we can, you know, dig into for, you know, a long time. So yeah, definitely are looking at that, uh, if we're honest, but, uh, there's definitely other people that handle it though. Yeah. But we true. keep an eye on it for sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you know, honestly, the main thing that I'm looking forward to is seeing the fans reaction to the songs that they haven't heard yet. You know, we've put out a lot of singles. A lot of the songs are already out because there's like different versions of them or whatever. Um, but then there are also, I think some of the best songs on the record are, are ones that are neither, uh, you know, that ha- no one's heard before. And yeah, I'm just really excited to, to have that out and have the whole piece. You know, I, I feel like it's a record you can sit down and listen to it like as one coherent piece. And uh, and I hope that I hope that people do. Yeah, I'm just excited to see what the fans think. I hope, I hope it lives up to everyone's expectations. Yeah, also it's like, I'm so excited to 
get on tour again after releasing this album yes. to literally see everyone's like responses in person and everyone singing the songs more that we haven't ever released yet and yeah we have all these songs that we've been playing for the last year on tours and stuff that nobody knows because they haven't been out yet so we're excited to have them sing along and you know. yeah yeah talk a little bit about the tour i know you're coming to chicago so i'm gonna definitely be there in december Wait. yeah what, is this the biggest tour you guys have been on um yeah mm. i think so um we yeah. we did a full u.s tour before uh earlier this year or last year and uh and that was incredible i mean incredible life-changing experience so cool yeah um, so we're excited to go back to a lot of these places for a second time mm-hmm. uh, but also this tour is taking us to europe we're going to we're that's going to, crazy yeah that's gonna be so cool we're playing london and we're playing amsterdam and we're playing oh, hamburg, hamburg germany, germany. <laughs> um and uh that's going to be really awesome. Um, that's like a dream come true to do any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Have you guys been to Europe before? Uh, like we, both have, we both have. We both have Not separately. as a band, yeah. but separately in life. Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never as a band. But uh, no idea what those shows are going to be like. I, I know we have a bunch of fans out there. I know they're buying tickets. I know London is like, you know, pretty close to, to selling out, which is going to be awesome. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We are ready to go be the dumb Americans. Yeah, we're going to be big time dumb Americans. <laughs> and I just have to accept that. I mean, that's got to be the cool thing about, you know, this day and age and being big on TikTok. Like, you could have fans in other countries that would, you know, know all your stuff, even if you've never played them before. So, yeah, we have we have a ton of Australian fans because of our name. Uh, Dury is a Australian term for cigarettes. And so they think we're Australian. Uh, not <laughs> nope we're not sorry <laughs> the australians love music i have a lot of australian fans too oh sweet. and um yeah they always are like do more australian bands and if there's any kind of australian connection in, in, in any story they're always like why don't you talk about when they were in australia I'm like All right, well, <laughs> are we'll you guys touring there, there or no we'll get over there eventually someday i yeah. like enthusiasm yeah i guess maybe i just wanted to end with like I feel like a big reason for your success, or at least the reason I like you guys so much, is that relatability of your lyrics. Like, I can relate to being broke. I can relate to, like, the grind of of everyday life and adulthood and all that stuff, even though I'm a little bit older than you. How important was that? Or, like, was that part of the vision to begin with? Or once you hit with, you know, who's laughing now, did you think consciously, like, let's make songs that everybody could relate to? We all the time will hear from fans. They'll say, like, it feels like you wrote this song about me or whatever. And and I always tell them, like, I'm writing these songs about me. But, like, the great truth is that everyone kind of has the same experience. <laughs> you know, like, the, the the your average Joe, we're, you know, the vast majority of the population. And that's, like, the way it is. So, so honestly, I mean, really, these songs are you know are you know written uh, from my perspective or or you know or stories just in our from our world or people that we know or whatever they're not they're not 100 you know uh uh biographical or whatever but but yeah it is kind of just you know i i don't think there's a, a conscious effort necessarily for like relatability it's just like i think the, we're pretty average people and, <laughs> and so the average person seems to uh seems to 
have a similar experience to us. And, and um, that's one thing, one thing uh, that I've thought about recently that I think is unique about our perspective and things is that like, because of the pop music, you know, world skews so young, everyone, it's like, if you're not, you know, a kid, if you don't get famous as a kid, it's never going to happen. And then, and then also the people that do are usually, you know, rich already or have rich parents or, you know, live whatever. And so there are so few voices of people who have, you know, lived a life, uh, uh, lived an adult life at the bottom and done the grind and done all that stuff sincerely, and then have become popular to, to have this perspective and, and these, and the honesty of these songs and stuff. Um, I just think that nowadays in pop music and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And on TikTok, you know, that's a rare, um, that's a rare perspective to find. I think it's one that we're really leaning into. Um, and it's easy because it's just the truth. <laughs> well, you have a very, I mean, anybody could be like, I'm going to sing about things everybody can relate to, but I think you have a really good way of actually capturing that and mm-hmm. also making super catchy songs. So that's what we strive for. <laughs> all about the hooks. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. My goal is to someday be in one of your stories. That's the that's what I want. <laughs> I mean, you're getting a whole podcast episode. That's uh, <laughs> I want, I want a serious reveal where it's like, who is it the whole time? We don't know who it is. <laughs> it was during um, oh. someday for sure. All right, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time and good for luck. Sure. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And one last thought for good measure. If you listen to the last season of my podcast, you'll remember an interview I did with a band called Sincere Engineer. That interview came just after they had finished recording their third record. Well, speaking of records I'm excited about, that album is coming out in September also. It's called Cheap Grills and comes out September 22nd. So September is going to be an awesome month for music. I think it's still a great time to be obsessed with music. And I think I'm finding that the excitement of waiting for your next favorite album never gets old. Some words said in passing, the entire world crashing down again. You think that it's over, but then it goes on and on and on. This episode was written, edited, produced by me, Patrick Hicks. Thank you, as always, to Brian Ashiba and Joyweather for the theme song to this podcast. Thank you so much to my special guest, Dury. Thank you, as always, to the Jordan to my Pippin, my wife. Thank you so much to all of my patrons on Patreon. I really appreciate that support. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week for Season 2's Season Finale.